Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. What is woven? What does it mean? Our scripture that we... All of this was birthed out, as, out of is in Colossians uh, chapter 2, and in the message, it says, I want you woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mystery. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else, and we've been shown the mystery. So the heart behind tonight is, like we were saying before, that we're just, our lives become woven together. And if you imagine um, a big tapestry, if you flipped it around, what you would see is a bunch of different threads that have been woven together that are different colors and different um, hues, and they've been tied in knots, and it's really, really messy on the back, but our lives sometimes can feel a little bit messy when you flip them upside down a little bit and see what's really going on. But I just want to encourage you tonight that you are a thread and we are a tapestry and God is weaving our lives together. And even though it feels messy sometimes, because it's just messy sometimes to live with other people, God has something greater in mind than you could imagine. So when you turn the tapestry around, there's actually this beautiful image of a masterpiece that God is creating with us. So that is woven. And it talks about the mystery in that scripture. And the mystery is simply this. It's Jesus. Jesus is the mystery. And he's been shown to us and he's been given to us. And if we go back to Colossians chapter 1, it says this. The mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you and me and you and me. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. This is the substance of our message And wholeheartedly, I will tell you tonight, this is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. So that's who we're here to focus on tonight. Christ. And my prayer is that there would be a spirit of profound common sense that comes through my words to you from heaven above so that you could understand what it looks like to take off all the checklists and all the I'm not good enoughs and just say to be mature is to be basic, to put Christ at the center of my life and say yes to everything he has for me. It is that simple, my friends. It is so simple. And it's supposed to be that way. 
It's supposed to be simple for you and me. So it doesn't matter if you're walking through the halls of your middle school or if you're walking through the halls of your elementary school or if you're walking into your job or if you're at home with your kids or if you're newly married. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. The simplicity of the gospel is to put Jesus at the center of your life and everything else flows from that. I love that it's simple. So let's pray. Jesus, I pray that tonight I would get out of the way so you can say what you want to say to your daughters. Thank you that you invited us in. Thank you for showing us the mystery, for not leaving us hidden in the dark or ostracized or outsiders. But Jesus, thank you that you invite every single one of us in close. And Jesus, the miraculous story in all of this is that when we just get close, miracles start to happen because you are a God of miracles. And the greatest miracle of all is that we were separated from you and by your death and bloodshed on the cross and resurrection, we get to have life and relationship with the God of the universe and the one who created everything we see and know. So we just pause for a second, Jesus. We place you back at the center and we position you just in our heads at the center of our lives right now. Jesus, have your way tonight. Amen. All right, so we're going to start reading in John 4. I made, I was going to read out of my Bible, but (laughs) to be honest, my eyes just are not that good. (laughs) So I tried that a couple weeks ago and I felt like I was like squinting and really just hoping I didn't miss anything. Actually, I think I did miss a few words. So in light of that, I'm going to read off my iPad where the words are big (laughs) and nice and separated. But you can follow along with me in John 4. I'm reading out the um, New International Version. And it says this, it says, so he came, Jesus came to a town in Samaria And actually, if you would just put yourself in Samaria, I know we all imagine it probably a little differently, but that's kind of fun, (laughs) with dusty streets and and Jesus who's just traveled a very long way, and he's tired and he's thirsty. And it says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. So there's a well, and it says he sat down about noon. So Jesus has come in from the long journey. He's hot, he's tired, he's thirsty, and he has a seat on the well. His sandals are dusty, and he probably stinks because he was fully God and fully man. So he probably had stinky man pits. (laughs) This is going on a podcast. I'm very sorry for anybody who's listening. (laughs) But we all know what happens when men walk around in the hot sun for a while. Stinky man pits. Um, It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, And he would have given you living water. Imagine if somebody said that to you. I'd be like, say what? (laughs) Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. She's kind of sassy, which personally I like. (laughs) Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. 
Jesus answered kindly, because he probably could have really shut her down at that point. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring. This is important. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Ah, so good. Um, he told her, go and call your husband. Um, she said, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Fair enough. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Are you still with me? This is like a full-on conversation that's happening at this dusty well where Jesus is really thirsty. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't gotten a drink of water yet. <laughs> um, where was I at? I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do not know. What we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming... And has now come, for us it has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers, when we worship him, we have to worship in spirit and in truth. If our spirits aren't involved in the worship, my friends, it is not worship. You are spirit and God is spirit and your spirit connects to his spirit. So raising your hands does not mean worship. Your spirit surrendered to him and your hands raised because this is an, a position of surrender is worship to him. And if your hands are by your arms, you're, it's still worshiped him. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't really matter. It's a spiritual act. God is spirit, and worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, this gets so good, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. <laughs> then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Can you imagine what an encounter this woman alone at a well in the middle of the day in the heat was so surprised to have? And that's what Jesus does is he meets us where we are. When we're doing our normal every day, he comes and he meets us. And what I've learned over the last few months as I've been studying this scripture and what God revealed to me as I read this passage over and over and over and over again, and I mean like 30 or 40 times over and over and over again, and imagine myself in the passage. I am the woman who was sitting at the well. She was alone, and she probably had to go at that point in the day. Some theologians believe because of her history and her standing in the community when she wouldn't have been accepted because the well was a place where people would gather, and the women would gather and talk. And you know what it feels like to be the woman who's ostracized when there's a bunch of women hanging out talking, and you're pretty sure it's about you. And so I realized that I've been that woman. I've been alone alone. 
I've felt outside of everything that's happening. I've felt insecure. I've wondered what people have thought of me. I've been a people pleaser. I've been separated from Christ. I've put other gods before the true and only God. I have been the woman. I've been the woman who drew from a source that was limited. I've been the woman who looks to the wrong things to fulfill the emotional and spiritual needs that God put in my heart to only be filled by him. I was the woman. I am the woman. You are the woman, but he is the well. So if you're looking for a title tonight of my message, it's I am the woman, you are the well. And I just want us to take a minute to really think about what that looks like. Because if it's true for you and for me, it means that we have to stop drawing from other sources. We have to stop walking around dehydrated with our souls and our spirits not functioning because we haven't had enough of what God created us to have. And do you know what? It's simple because to know and to be mature is basic. It's just Christ at the center of your life. So don't be overwhelmed by what it looks like to draw from the well because you know what it looks like? It looks like taking Jesus from the compartmentalized place in our lives that we like to keep him and adjusting him to the center of everything that happens. It means before we go to our friend with a big outpouring of help me, my life is falling apart, we go to Jesus first because he's at the center. And if we start there, then everything that flows down from that will be good and healthy because he is a wellspring of life. So when he gives you water, it starts bubbling up from inside of you and flows down to the people around you. And you don't have to work for it. It just happens because it's who he is in you, not who you are all by yourself. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being all by myself trying to get things to overflow. You know what it's like when you have like a, the last bit of your lotion that's like your favorite in the bottle and you're like, you like squeeze it all down and then you fold the corners in and you try to like, like do this, you know what I'm talking about? Squeeze it out. That's what it's like when you draw from the wrong well. But when you draw from the source of life, it just keeps bubbling up and bubbling over and starts flowing to the people around us. So I'm quickly going to get through some points. <laughs> this is what happens when we meet Jesus. And here's a few things I've learned about an encounter with Jesus. Number one, he finds us. He finds us in our everyday. And sometimes we don't want to be found. Sometimes we're off hiding somewhere. It's really hard to hide from God. When my children play hide and seek for me, and particularly Charlie, who's the littlest, he's like this. Come find me. And I'm like, okay, buddy. Great job. Hope he gets better. But you know, we can't hide from God. And sometimes we hide. And that's what sin in our lives can do to us. Is it becomes shame and so we try to hide and what the enemy tells you is oh do what you want it'll be fine but then all of a sudden you're carrying shame and you're like and you don't even really know where it came from and then you find yourself hiding from God because you're like certainly he can't he can't see my shame I'll just hang out over here and you know I just won't go near church because then God won't know he knows just FYI it's all right um 
you know, this is, what it, this is what it says in Genesis. It says, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is right after they've chosen to take the fruit of the tree that was like the one tree they weren't supposed to eat from. I don't know about you, but I really feel like I kind of see how it happened. I'm glad I wasn't Eve. Um, <laughs> just being honest, I'm glad I get Jesus. Um, and they hid from the Lord, it says, among the trees of the garden, which is a little bit like Charlie behind the mic stand. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He, and he answered, I heard you in the garden. And sometimes when we're living somewhere we're not really supposed to be living, we're like, I heard you, so I just ran further because thought you wouldn't find me. He says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. And he says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, as if he didn't know already? And then he starts blaming the woman. It's a whole thing. It's fine. Um, But that's not what we're talking about tonight. (laughs) But you know what happens is sometimes we find ourselves somewhere and saying yes to something that we weren't actually supposed to say yes to because God was like no that's not going to be good for you and then instead of running back to the source and to the one that could actually help you to get out of the mess and get along the journey and keep going and keep getting stronger we hide because shame tells you you should hide and God won't want to see you in your shame when God is calling you out into the light so that he can bring healing to the places the enemy has wounded you So one thing I've found with an encounter with Jesus is he finds us. He's found me in some messy places. I'm sure he's found you in some messy places. He finds me in some really ordinary places when life feels mundane and regular. He's found me in some spectacular places where I've moved him out of the center of the focus of my life. And he's like, you need to readjust me to the middle. He finds us. Number two, Jesus loves us. He finds us, and he loves us. And he loves us as we are. He sees you. He sees you like nobody else sees you. He knows like every part of your heart, the places that you tuck away so nobody else can see, and the places that you put on display because they're your favorites. He knows you. And he sees you. But his vision and encounter with you will never bring shame when you trust him and are willing to lay with vulnerability who you really are on the table. And the Samaritan woman in, in John 4, 9, she says, says, she said to him, for you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? That was like, it was not okay for Jews and Samaritans to be communing together or to have conversations or even for Jesus to be talking to a woman alone. So she's freaking out. She's like, how are you talking to me? This is not good for me and it's definitely not good for you. She was expecting him in that encounter to shame her because she probably would have known shame by other Jews that she had met. So she knows he's a Jew and she's waiting. And sometimes we wait (laughs) When we have an encounter with Jesus because of somebody else's version of Jesus that they've told us about. But Jesus will not shame you. He doesn't come to bring shame to you. He comes to free you. Shame will lead to isolation. And that is what the enemy wants. He wants you to feel all the shame in the world. So you go hide away somewhere all by yourself and remind yourself how Jesus didn't really love you. But love, which comes from God, who is love, and from Jesus, who is light and love, will lead to freedom. So when you have an encounter with Jesus, he will find you, 
and he will love you as you are. And some of you need to absorb that tonight and hear that he loves you just as you are. He already sees you. So surprise, if you thought you were hiding behind the mic stand, he sees it all and he still loves you. And as a matter of fact, while you were still living the way that you thought you wanted to live and you thought you didn't need him, he died for you so that you could have life. He loves you that much. Number three, Jesus changes us. And we just read about that encounter where this woman is saying, I have no husband, and Jesus kind of reads her mail. Ouch. He reads her mail, and she's like, you're right. You must be a prophet. Close. (laughs) And then he starts talking about a time that's coming when we'll worship in spirit and truth. We're going to spend a little bit more time on this one because it's painful when your sin is exposed. When my sin is exposed, it's painful. It really is because there are things that I don't want to change because there are parts of me that just want to live my life the way I want to live my life. But when you encounter Jesus and you start understanding that his love brings freedom, and when you start putting him at the center of your life, and you get close to him, and you open his word, and you start reading about who he was, and you decide, I actually want to look more like him. I want to look more like him. Then that exposing of what's really in my heart starts to bring a lightness and a freeness like I've never known before, and I want more and more and more and more, because once you taste that freedom, you cannot get enough. It's easy to live in the dark when you don't know there's light. But once the light comes in, man, like light it all up. So I wonder tonight if you might be in that tension of the love of Jesus exposing something in your life. And if you might be fighting the battle of wanting to like lean over to the side of shame and isolation. Or if you would be willing tonight to lean into the love of Jesus that would lead you to freedom. His love will always lead to growth and change in your heart. And I've found that my life is shifting constantly because even as much as I think I know, I just realize that I don't know anything when it comes to God. And so my life is always in this shifting move. It's like the tides that hit the shore. It's just always moving. And it's because the water is not stagnant. It's fresh And it's bringing constant life. If your life isn't in a constant state of shifting, I would ask the question to you tonight, do you know what his love is like? Because his love will move you. Not just at a woven night when you're like, yeah, we're all singing the songs. It's so fun. But I mean like outside of these doors tomorrow, it will start shifting the way that you live your life. Jesus is where truth and mercy meet. So can I just go a little bit further? Are you guys doing okay? This is, we're about to get real, okay? I'm telling you in advance, it's in the Bible. I'm just going to read it to you, but it's about to get real, okay? Is everybody ready? It's going to be great. Okay, here we go. I've listened to this so many times on my audio Bible, and man, every time it just like, ah. 
Okay. Colossians 3, we're going to start in verse 5, and I'm going to read it in the message because I just really love the way that it brings life to this scripture. This is challenging. And it says, and that means killing off everything. We're talking about being more like Jesus. That means killing off everything connected with that way of death, the old life before Jesus. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. Everybody okay? I breezed through it. You should go back and read it. Just saying. It says, it's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't, and he's not angry at you. Can we just, like, address that really quickly? He's angry because there is an enemy who is trying to destroy your life. It's a holy and righteous anger that there is something that is awful for you and is trying to tear you limb from limb, and we would lean into that, and God is like, I love you. Come here. Let me help you. That's what that means. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. (laughs) I told you. Don't lie to one another. I'm just going to keep going. You're done with that old life. It's like, I love this, a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. (laughs) Now you're dressed. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made. Custom-made by the creator with his label on it. All of the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, chosen by God for this new way of life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. (laughs) Yes, I will. Thank you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. That's a fun one. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive in offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Just gonna stop there. I could literally, I could just read the whole chapter. I'd highly recommend reading all of Colossians in the next month, like forty thousand times. It's challenging, and you will never be the same. But do you know what? The love of God and an encounter with Jesus changes us. Okay, so that's what you need to write down for number three. Jesus changes us. Jesus finds us. Jesus loves us. And Jesus changes us. And I can tell you that if you have come close to him, something in you will start to shift. And it should. Because there is a life of love and freedom and goodness that he has waiting for you. But if something doesn't start to shift, you will be an old stinky lake with no water moving around, not an ocean where tides rise and fall, and you're willing to go with what Jesus is shifting in you. He will highlight the sin in your heart and in my heart to make room for the wellspring of life that is his presence. 
So can I challenge you that when he asks you to remove something or he shines light somewhere in your life, get rid of it. If he's telling you to get rid of it, get rid of it. Don't be an emotional hoarder. Some of us have an emotional home inside of us that looks straight out of hoarders because we can't let anything go and we're bitter and we're angry and we're disappointed and we think that we just need those things in us to keep us safe. And I'm telling you, God is going to clean house in your life and you can either stay a hoarder or you can start letting some things go. And then the last point tonight is Jesus sends us. He sends us to the women that are around us and to the people that are around us and to the city that is around us. And I love at the end of this scripture, if you go down to chapter 39 in John 4, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, because she went out. When the disciples came back and were talking to Jesus about what he was going to have for lunch, she was gone. She went to tell the people of her city, which let's not forget, probably shamed her and made her feel like she wasn't worthy. That same woman had a newfound strength and a God-given, God-ordained strength to get up from the place that she had felt shame and unwanted her whole adult life probably and go back into her city and tell people what Jesus had done. It says, the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. Jesus stayed extra long because they asked him. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man is really the savior of the world. She was the unexpected candidate. Maybe you feel like you're unex- the unexpected one or the one that God couldn't possibly use to go and tell the city about himself. But she was unexpected. And all throughout the Bible, God has highlighted people and women who were unexpected and used them for his glory. And he's used them to bring the message and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. So welcome if you feel unexpected and unworthy. You're exactly who God is looking for. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.